lives. You know what God wants more than anything? He wants our heart. He wants our heart. He wants all of our heart. And that's what we've been talking about in the last, actually, two or three months, is those, that phrase, with all of our heart. God wants us, wants us to love Him with all of our heart. He wants us to seek Him with all of our heart. And He wants us to serve Him with all of our heart. Sometimes we may not think we're qualified to serve the Lord. I want you to listen to 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 20 through 24. Samuel said to the people, Do not fear. You have done all this wicked, wickedness, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord. But serve the Lord with all your heart. You know, we can turn away from our life of selfishness and pride and, and self-serving. And we can turn back to the Lord. Turn from our wickedness and serve the Lord with all of our heart. He said, and do not turn aside, for then you would go after empty things. What else are you going to serve if you're not serving the Lord? You're going to serve empty things. You know, a lot of people are doing good things. But if you're not saved, and if you're not doing it, even if you are saved, and if you're not doing it for the Lord or as unto the Lord, the Bible calls that a dead work. In other words, it don't count. And I know that's not proper English. I just use that for emphasis. It don't count. You may be, I'm doing all this wonderful, I'm working, I'm serving, I'm doing all these things. But if it's not unto the Lord, if, if your heart's not belonging to the Lord, then it's just a dead work. It doesn't add up for you points. God doesn't go by the point system. You know that? If he did, guess what? Ain't a soul in here would have a prayer. We wouldn't have a chance at, in any way because our bad points... <laughs> overweigh, outweigh our good points. So listen, I'm saying to us this morning as we start, is wherever we start from, let's start. And let's turn wholeheartedly to the Lord and serve him with all of our heart. He said, the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. The Lord delights in you and I, and he likes to see people completely devoted to him. You know, David told his son Solomon in 1 Chronicles 28, said, Solomon, I want you to serve the Lord with a loyal heart and a willing mind. And then we're told in Psalm 100 to serve the Lord with gladness. Gladness, joy. I made this note. Um, I just found it. Actually, I what even looking for it? I just came across it. I wrote it in 2002, September the 18th, 2002. It was a quote from, I think I got the initials HB by it, so I'm assuming that's Henry Blackaby. Here's what he said. If you serve the Lord out of duty and habit, but not out of joy and gratitude, you will envy those who are experiencing joy in the Lord and miss the abundant life the Father's planned for you. Serving the Lord ought to be a joy, not a drudgery. It ought to be a joy, not just duty. It ought to be a delight, something we long to do, not just something we feel like we have to do because we're His people. So, serving the Lord with all of our heart. What's the word serve? We talked about its definition means to uh, worship is what we looked at. That was our first strategy, to worship. Worship and serve go hand in hand. 
If you look back at the Old Testament, when God told Israel to uh, stop worshiping these false gods, he said, stop worshiping and serving them. And those two things went hand in hand. Our service is an act of worship, and our worship is an act of service. So today, the next strategy I want to share with you is how can we serve the Lord simply? Work. Work in God's service. Work for the Lord Jesus Christ. He is worthy of our work. What does work involve? Well, it involves my energy, doesn't it? It involves my time and investment of myself in the work of the Lord. And the Bible, Jesus says in John chapter 12 and verse 26, If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my Father will honor. You know, it is the will of the Lord Jesus Christ that we serve the one he served, that we follow his example. He served at the will of the Father. Here was a human being, fully God, but still fully human, who gave his will and his time and his energy, his all that he was to serve the Lord. So are you working in God's service? Now I want to give you this morning and next week some, an action plan that a way you can use your, uh, how you can work to serve the Lord. So first of all, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. And I want us to read verses 4 through 8. So here's the first action plan. If I'm going to serve the Lord, if I'm going to work in His service, what can I do? Well, simply use your spiritual gift. Use your spiritual gift. The Bible says in Romans 12, verse 4 through 8, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having then gifts, having then gifts. Do you know that you have a spiritual gift? If you're a born-again believer, you have a spiritual gift. We're going to talk about a little bit about that uh, this week, today. The Bible says that God has given a spiritual gift to every believer to profit the whole body. So it's assuming here when he says having then gifts, he is not talking about whether or not you have one. He's saying you do have one. You have a spiritual gift. That is, you have an inward drive and motivation and desire given by God to work in his service in a particular way. And then he begins to talk about them, having them gifts differing. And by the way, it's different. Your gift is not going to be the same as mine necessarily. You're going to be different from others as far as your giftedness. But he says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given. These gifts that God's given you and me are from him. It's his grace at work in our lives. Even as we exercise those gifts, it's his grace at work. He said, let us use them. And then he named some, if prophecy for prophecy in proportion, uh, then let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. And he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. 
So he just listed for us seven main gifts, things that God has given his people that motivate them. Let me talk about briefly each one of these. One of these Sunday nights, we're going to go back and do our spiritual gift study, which I've done here several times, but I'm not going to go that in depth here on Sunday mornings. But let me just say, what is prophecy? Well, think about the Old Testament prophet. You know, the Old Testament prophet was called by God. He was one that God used as, as one that would go to the people and say, thus says the Lord. A lot of people think prophecy is predicting the future. No, prophets could not predict the future. Prophets could only say what God told them to say. Yes, God told them to tell of future events, but they only said it and knew it because God told them about it. So a prophet is not one who foresees the future. And by the way, if you know somebody today that claims to be a prophet and they can foresee the future and they haven't heard from God, then I think they're a false prophet. And by the way, what's the test of a true prophet? That what he says must what? Happen, come true. And it must match truly the word of God. A prophet is simply God's messenger. Takes the word of God. He has an inward compulsion to proclaim God's word. He wants people to hear God's word. He wants to expose sin and unbelief and faithlessness and help people come to know Christ. He wants to help people overcome sin. He wants to, or she even, wants to uh, minister the word of God to other people. So a prophet is simply God's messenger. That's one of the ways I knew God was calling me to preach, which by the way, that is my spiritual gift, is, is I knew I'd sit in that pew. I was a youth pastor and I'd been called by God early in life but I resisted that. I didn't want to be a preacher. You know, I wanted to do something else. But I would sit in that pew and I would listen either to my dad or to other pastors. And, and, and I just had this inner compulsion. I just want to tell people what God is showing me in his word. I just want to proclaim it. I want everybody to understand what, what God has done for them. And I want everybody to come to know Christ and, and to live apart from sin. And I knew that I was feeling that every time I'd, I, I would sit in church especially. And I knew that when, even as a youth pastor, when our pastor came to me and said, we want you to go start this church, and we want you to be that pastor of that church plan, I knew. I, didn't, I mean, I prayed about it, but I knew I didn't have to pray about it very long because I knew that's what God was calling me to do. But you don't have to be a preacher to be a, have the gift of prophecy. Then he says, those that minister. You know, ministry there's many ways to minister. Deacons are one of them. In fact, the word deacon simply means to serve. It, it means a servant. A deacon is one that serves the church, serves the body. And see, the, 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 uh, in Acts chapter 6, when deacons were started, the apostles and the, uh, the, the church leaders, if you would, said, we don't want to leave what God's called us to do, which is preach and pray, minister to the word of God, Minister the word of God to the people and pray in order to go do service, ministry to the widows. He said, so let's set aside seven men, call seven men, and set them, appoint them to be deacons who will serve. So their calling, if you would, is to serve, to minister to the church body. There are people who aren't deacons who serve the church body, people who do hospital visitation and nursing home ministry, people who serve the homeless and different aspects of, of our uh, church body and our community. Ministry is a gift. You have an inward desire. That's something I want to do. I just want to minister to God's people. Some have the gift of teaching. 
And some of you are using that gift. I think of Ezra. Ezra uh, had this inner compulsion to accurately teach the law of God. It says in uh, Ezra chapter 8, verse 2, that he brought the law before the whole assembly of men and women who could hear with understanding. And it says that he read from it in the open square so that they could understand and that the ears of the people were attentive. It says he stood on a wooden platform, kind of like I'm doing today. And it says in verse 8, Ezra blessed the Lord, and all the people answered, Amen. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. That's verse 6. Verse 8 says, So they read distinctly from the book of the law, and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. You see, a teacher has a compulsion to take the word of God as a prophet would and proclaim it. A teacher has a way to explain it. They like to explain it. I have a little bit of the teaching in me as well, but uh, I know other people have it a greater gift and calling to teach the Word of God. They want to give the sense of it, to explain it phrase by phrase. Some have the gift of exhortation. That's one of the gifts listed here in Romans chapter 12. That is, their desire is to encourage people to take proper steps of action that will lead them to spiritual maturity. Bobby is one of those who has the gift of exhortation. Bobby's ministry to our young people is to help them step by step to know if you take this step, you will grow. And this step leads to this step. And he's a great exhorter in in the way that he exhorts those young people to grow up in spiritual maturity. I think of in Acts chapter 18 and verse 26. It talks about Aquila and Priscilla. And they met... um, they met a Jew by the name of Apollos. And Apollos was, it says, he was instructed in the way of the Lord, verse 25. He was fervent in spirit. He spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord. But it says that in verse 26 that Aquila and Priscilla, when they heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. They were exhorters. They took this strong convert to Christianity who loved the Lord, fervent, wanted to serve the Lord. But they took him aside and they gave him some exhortation that would help him along the way to grow to even deeper spiritual maturity. Some of you have that compassion, that compulsion is to exhort. Um, some of you have the, the uh, gift of giving. You just, that's listed in Romans chapter uh, 12 that we just read. Some of you want to give. You're motivated to use your money to carry on the work of the Lord. That's how you, you, God has blessed you with uh, more than maybe you need or even maybe you're not blessed with more than you need. You don't have as much as you wished you had, so to speak, but you have a compulsion to give to other people. You see, one with the gift of giving doesn't have to be wealthy. They just have a, a, a desire to give to the work of God. They, they find ministries that they just want to give to. My grandfather was like that. And my dad would, would find, after he got older and my dad had to take care of his checkbook, my dad would find all these different ministries that, that my grandfather was giving to. Now, my father's like that. You know, I don't see his checkbook, but he tells me of the different things, just in course of conversation, of the different ministries that he's giving to. Besides the church, he's giving his tithe and his offering to the storehouse, but he goes over and above because he's at home by himself with my brother, and he has a lot of, uh, not a lot, very limited actually, 
but some extra things that he doesn't have to support a family anymore. So he gives that to the work of the Lord. They have that compulsion. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, Let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Then he says in verse 12, For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. In other words, you have a desire to give so the work of God can be carried on and the needs of God's people can be met. And I know many of you like that. This is one of the givingest people that, that there are. And I'm grateful for how you give and how you respond to needs. Some of you have the gift of leading. That's mentioned in Romans chapter 12. Moses was a leader. You know what about Moses' leadership? He didn't think he was. As soon as I said leadership, probably some of you go, that's not me. I'm not a leader. If you'd asked Moses, he'd have said the same thing. That's not me. I'm not a leader. I can't get in front of people and talk. <laughs> I, I, if I had a dime for every time I heard people say that, I'd be wealthy. I could, be, I could give a whole lot more. I can't get up in people and talk. And they, and they use that as an excuse not to exercise their gift. Maybe they do have the gift of leadership. Maybe they don't. But to lead is the one who, who knows how to get out in front with God's people and encourage them. Let's go this direction as God has commanded us. Come on, people. Let's go. Let's go. Moses did that. He didn't, he, he didn't think he had that gift, but he did. God called them, and God filled them, and God used them. He didn't think he could talk to people. He didn't think the people he would go back to lead would respect his leadership. But they did. And he's probably the greatest patriarch that Israel has. Joshua succeeded him. Joshua, I'm sure, felt very intimidated. Man, this great leader Moses, how, how am I going to fill his shoes? And that's why God told him several times at the very beginning of his ministry, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. So some of you have that ability to get out front and say, come on, let's, let's go the direction God's leading us. Let's do what God's called us to do. You encourage people to follow the Lord. And then lastly, some of you have the gift of mercy. My wife is one of those people that has the gift of mercy. She's compassionate. She hurts when other people hurt. She rejoices when other people rejoice. The Bible says, weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. She literally feels here what other people feel. That's something that some of you have. You feel it here. You, you act on that. You want to relieve their suffering. You want to relieve their need or their, their hurt in some way. Dorcas in the Bible in Acts chapter 9 was one of those people. It says in Acts chapter 9 and verse 36, as at Joppa there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. And we read in verse 39, by the way, uh, she became sick and she died. So um, Peter's going over there and says, when Peter arose and went with them, when he had come down, they brought him to the upper room, and all the windows stood, all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and the garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. You see, she was ministering to those widows. She knew those widows were hurting. 
She knew those widows needed help. And so what did she do for them? She made things for them. She ministered to them. She had that gift of mercy. So you see, these seven are just some of the ways that God has motivated his people. I would imagine that you find yourself in one of those areas. Let me direct you to another passage in Ephesians chapter 4. This is another listing of spiritual gifts. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, the Bible says, To each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. How many got one of those gifts? Each one. You have a gift. You can't say as a believer, I don't have a gift. I can't be used. Yes, you do. You have a gift. God can use you. In verse 11 and 12, he says, And he himself, that is Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints, the people of God, for the work of the ministry, for the building up or the edification of the church. So you see, your gift is for who? Not for you. By the way, do you notice the only, your spiritual gift is the only gift you get that's not for you? It's for you to give away. You're supposed to re-gift your spiritual gift. You're supposed to give it away. Who do you give it away to? Who's this, what does the scripture say? Who do we give it away to? The church, to the saints. For what purpose? To build up the church, the people of God. Are you using your gift? Are you doing something to serve the people that are here this morning? To build them up? To strengthen this body of believers? And the church as a whole in this community and in this nation and in this world? Look at verse 16. Speaking of Christ, from Christ, the whole body is joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. Every body has a part. According to the effective working by which every part does its share. And when that happens, the growth of the body and the edifying of the body and the love in the body happens. You want to see this church grow? You want to see this church built up? You want to see this church grow in love? Every part does its share. Now, you have a human body. You have a body, right? How many of you have body parts that don't work? By the way, I, I shouldn't connect this, but I just thought of it. I thought about it while they were singing. I shouldn't connect these two. Y'all forgive me. <laughs> My stream of consciousness. What a wonderful, large senior adult choir we had. The, wasn't that wonderful? I, they have about doubled or tripled in size. Amen? Give them another hand of appreciation. I mean, they filled this whole front. I, I can remember when they first started, Brian, that, that there was just a, maybe just a handful up here. Um, but, man, they've grown, and you're doing a good job with them. And they're, they're um, serving the Lord in that way. We're going to talk more about that probably uh, next week and the ways we can serve the Lord um, with our natural abilities. Um, but see, I done forgot where I was going now. <laughs> but he said, um, every, every part does its share. How many of you have body parts that don't work? Yeah, we all do, don't we? What if you had, you think, uh, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about gifts and the members of the body. I always think about those. He said those unpresentable parts have a very important... I always think about my pinky toe. That unpresent, Nobody's pinky toe is good looking. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> That's an ugly part of the body. It's an unpresentable. <laughs> Glad y'all keep it covered, okay? Uh, but you try walking without your pinky toes. Cut one of them off. Or let it stop working or feeling or operating correctly. You're going you're gonna to hobble. You see, every part of the body needs to be working properly for the growth to happen. You see, a lot of people want to talk about church growth, but the Bible talks about church health, the health of the body. When the body is healthy, it can't help but grow, right? And, it, and when it grows, it edifies the body. It edifies the believers. And, and when the church is growing, it's a witness to the community. All evangelism begins to happen because of the health of the body of Christ. Now, are you that sick pinky toe? Are you that person that just kind of sits in the background and, and, and you don't want anybody to notice you and you want to stay covered up and, and you don't want to work? You just want to come and enjoy the benefits of all that is? Well, you're slowing us down. Get busy. Get involved. How do you know where to start? What are you motivated to do? What desire has God put in your heart? Find a way to use it and get involved. He mentioned some here. He says apostles. So we don't have apostles anymore. Well, the apostles are ones sent forth. I believe those are your modern-day missionaries. Those are the ones who are sent forth. We're all, in a sense, sent forth. Jesus said, as the Father sent me, what? So send I you. All of us are sent out. But as far as there being the, the original apostles that started the church and had authority, I don't think those exist like that anymore. I believe that we are all sent out and that some of us are given the calling of God to be a missionary as a career. This is what I want to do with my life. I want to devote my life to going to other places. Paul said he wanted to go where the name of Jesus Christ has not been preached. But even if you go to somewhere that has been preached, there's still, you know how many unreached people groups there are in this world? There are still over, I think last time I heard, there was close to 200 or more unreached people groups in the world. And by the way, remember what I said a couple of weeks ago. People say, well, why do we want to travel around the world when we got lost people right here? And let me remind you, we don't have an option. It's not either or, it's both and. Jesus said, after the Holy Spirit's come upon you, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, that's at home, in Judea, and in Samaria, and in the uttermost parts of the earth. He used the word and, 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 not or. So why do we go around the world to share the gospel and there's still lost people in Thomasville because we're operating under the great commission, under the command of the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes, we have to start here, and yes, we do. But apostles are those who are sent out. Some of you may need to respond to that. And you say, hey, by the way, age is not a determining factor. Most of us turn our heads and look to the young people. Well, there, God's going to call some of those young people to be missionaries. God called my dad out of a lucrative career as a chemical engineer. Ten years in that career, God called him out to be a pastor, to be a preacher. I could, t I could tell you other stories of how God raised up adults in their midlife and even later in life to go overseas or to serve the Lord as a missionary. It's had, age has nothing to do with it. Don't think, well, I'm too old. There you go making excuses again. 
thinking God can't use you. Paul was a, and Peter were the ones that they sent out, commissioned by Christ. He mentions here in Ephesians 4, pastor, a pastor. You know there's a difference between a preacher and a pastor? Or shall I say a prophet and a pastor? Not all prophets can be pastors. Not all pastors are good prophets. That is, proclaimers of God's truth. But a pastor is like, a, is like Timothy. Timothy in the Bible had a pastor's heart. He was concerned for the church, for the well-being of the people. The, the, the pastor is like a shepherd that cares for the flock. And not every pastor, not, not, not every pastor is going to do that perfectly. There's no way. Just as every prophet or, or mercy or giver is not going to fulfill their gift perfectly. But a pastor, some of you have a pastor's heart. You know, I didn't know that God wanted me to be a pastor. I knew that God wanted me to preach. The avenue that he gave me to preach was to become a pastor. You know why I'm a pastor? Because it gives me the opportunity to do what God's called me to do, preach. You know what comes with being a pastor is taking care of the flock. And I like taking care of you. I like pastoring you. But that's really secondary to my calling and my gifting. And I'm probably not as good at that or as attentive to that as I am to what my main goal is or my main calling is. And sometimes we can look and point fingers and fire darts and say, oh, he or she is not doing... Well, that may not be their calling, their gift. I think of uh, another. He mentioned teacher. We already talked about teacher in Ephesians 4. But he mentions evangelist is another one, an evangelist. Philip was an evangelist in the New Testament. He moved from place to place as the Spirit led him. And he met a man by, the, uh, uh, we don't know his name, but he was a, uh, a treasurer, if you would, in, the, in Queen Candace of Ethiopia. And he met this man on the way back home. He had been at Jerusalem, and he was on his way back home to Ethiopia. And the Holy Spirit brought Philip to meet this man. And this man was actually reading the prophet Isaiah. And you know the story. Philip said, do you understand what you're reading? He just asked a question. It's a great way to introduce the gospel to people, ask questions. Do you understand what you're reading? The man said, no, how can I unless somebody explain it to me? So Philip got up in the chariot and began to explain what he was reading. It's from Isaiah 53. It was about Jesus Christ. And the man believed in Jesus Christ after Philip explained it. And it says, hey, I'm ready to be baptized. And so right then, Philip led him to faith in Christ, baptized him, and then the Holy Spirit took him and put him somewhere else. He was an evangelist. Some of you may have the heart of an evangelist. That is, you have a burden for people who are lost. I know that about some of you. I, can, I, can lis- I listen to you. I hear what you're saying. I think of, of, I'm thinking of some members right now who just, their, their passion is to help people get saved. And they're actively involved in doing that. Sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Finding ways, opportunities to tell others about Christ. They're acting as an evangelist. Now, see, these are spiritual gifts. Now, you listen to these things. You said, you never did hit mine. Well, it's not that yours didn't get hit. It's that perhaps you're still in the process of discovery. And what I want you to do this, this, from this morning's message is to go home and to think and pray and to receive. Say to the Lord something like this. Dear Lord. 
I believe you've given me a gift. Now, if you don't know what it is, just say to the Lord, Lord, I'm not sure what it is, but I believe you've given me one. I want to know what it is. Would you begin showing that to me? And Lord, in the meantime, I'm going to serve you in the area that I feel the most desire. You see, if you wait till God says, boom, your gift is this, you might be waiting a long time. But if you'll get busy in the Lord's work where you have a desire and your heart feels a burden for, you know, God begins to help you see that you may start wide, but he, he starts to laser focus and you begin to understand this is the path. You see, all I knew when I was in college was God called me to the ministry. That's all I knew. So I said, okay. I mean, I argued a lot first. Uh, that was in high school, but in college, I, I said, okay. So all I knew was about this broad. Where do I go? What do I do? I don't know. I don't know. And that's where some of you are. I don't know what my gift is. But don't use that as an excuse not to obey, not to serve. Take a step of faith. And say, okay, Lord, I'm going to get involved. I'm going to do something. I don't know what, but I'm going to find something that, that I feel interested in. You know what I was interested in? I was interested in working with young people. So that's what I get. I got it started with young people. So it got narrowed a little bit then. And I spent six years working with teenagers as a youth pastor. And then the opportunity came for this church, for us to start this church. And then it got more and more laser focused to doing what God's called me to do. Is it going to get even more laser? I don't know. But you got to start somewhere. You can't just say, well, I don't know what my gift is, Brother Lee, so I'm just going to sit back here and listen to you preach. A bunch of laziness people. No. Don't be lazy. And here's my closing. I know, I know it's 12.05 and I'm closing. Don't be lazy. Don't be lazy. You remember the parable of the talents? To one he gave five talents, to one he gave two, to one he gave one. Only two-thirds of the people that he gave a gift to used them. I wonder if that's kind of the law of averages in the church today. Only two-thirds, about 66%, used their gift. That 33%, that one guy. I only got one gift. I'm the pinky toe. I'm just going to go hide somewhere. And Jesus shows up. And all the others have brought their increase from serving the Lord. And he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter the joy of the Lord. Because they did something with it. They didn't know what to do. He didn't give them specific instructions. He just said, if you read Mark's gospel, do business till I come. That's all he said. He didn't say, do this, this, this. Some of y'all are waiting for actual specific instructions. He may not give you actual specific detailed instructions. you got to take a step of faith. He didn't give the master, he didn't give those men with the talents. Specific. He just said, do business till I come. And the one guy said, well, you didn't tell me exactly what to do. And, and I know you're a hard taskmaster. And, and you reap where you don't sow. And you sow where you don't around. So I, I just kind of went out and hit it. And, I, you know, mm. and you, know what, you know what the master said to that man? You wicked and lazy servant. Don't be wicked and lazy. Our God is worth serving. 
after all he's done for us, he's worth serving. You can find a way to serve him. The old saying, where there's a will, there's a way. Next week, today we've talked about using your spiritual gift. I want you to go on a journey with the Lord. If you don't know what it is, or if you're unsure, I want you to go on a journey. If, and if you want further help or resources, you can call me, you can come to my office, and I, have, I can help you, give you a resource, and I can even walk through, walk through it with you that will give you help in discovering what your spiritual gift is and how you can use it. But next week, I want you to think about what we're going to talk about is using your natural ability. Some of you have natural ability. Tim Tebow, yes, I used to root for Florida when Tim Tebow played for them. You know why? Because Tim Tebow was a man of God. And he didn't mind letting other people know about it. God had given him a unique ability to play football. And he used that ability as a platform for Jesus Christ. So next week, we're going to talk about how to use your natural ability to serve the Lord. And every one of you, just like you have a spiritual gift, you've been given a natural ability. And God wants you to discover both. So how do I serve the Lord? The strategy this week is work. Do something for the Lord. Use your spiritual gift. And now as you go home, Lord, show me what that is. Would you bow your head with me? Would you pray even